well, Carmen, I don't know if you realize it or not, but when you asked Lydia if she had done anything for her mom for Mother's Day, you weren't calling her out. You were calling me out. <laughs> so thanks for that. But just for the record, just so we can set the record straight, the kids do have a card and a nice little gift for their mom when she gets home, and we might do something else uh, special for her today. So just to set the record straight, Lydia does have something for her mom. Well, we're going to continue our series in Daniel. Uh, I just wanted to do a quick update on our plan for meeting live again. I feel like I, we kind of need to do this week in and week out right now because a lot of churches are starting to meet, and I, yes, I am well aware of that. Uh, I stay in pretty regular communication with other pastors, a few other pastors in town, and so uh, well aware of that. And uh, we are continuing to be cautious uh, for a number of reasons, and I just wanted to give you the why behind the what. Uh, we've chosen to delay meeting a little bit longer than some, than some other places. Uh, I read the letter from our bishop last week, which is what he was recommending, and I, uh, another pastor in town I talked to say his denomination was recommending the same thing of their churches. And so uh, we, we don't criticize other churches that are meeting. We affirm them and cheer them on and say, go for it. We're choosing to be wise. Uh, a number of reasons. When we're, whenever you have been quarantined, your immune system is a little weaker. It's been weakened. It hasn't been exposed to as many things. And so we want to be cautious because of that. Uh, we do know that this coronavirus, it is a coronavirus, even though it's unique in some respects. It is a coronavirus. So the warm weather is going to slow that down significantly. We can expect the spread of that uh, to slow down here in the coming weeks as the warm weather kicks in. Uh, we also know that there are still new cases being reported in town. And, and we're also just kind of preparing and talking about, again, when we start meeting back together, we're still kind of planning on what that's going to look like. Uh, and so those are the reasons we're going to just take our time coming back together as a church. We want to be cautious. We want to err on the side of caution. Now, I know good and well, your opinion on this depends on what news channel you prefer to watch. Uh, and that's just been my experience. And I know as the facts are rolling in, the death rate of this virus is really between somewhere 0.2 and 0.8%. And so it is not the bubonic plague. But I also have a personal friend, a colleague in Lubbock. He's an ordained Methodist clergy who has a friend around my age that was perfectly healthy, no other health conditions. Uh, he was athletic, and he got the virus and was killed by it. And that's not a political angle on the story. That's someone that I know personally. And so we want to err on the side of caution, even though we shouldn't be Overly concerned about other churches meeting, I think that's fine. Uh, given, you know, the, the age of our church, I think it's probably wise if we err on the side of caution. And so that's why we're going to wait until later, uh, the first Sunday in June is our plan to start meeting back together again. Uh, obviously, it's always subject to change. Everything is a week-in, week-out basis. But for now, we're continuing with that plan. And so... We are going to continue our series on the book of Daniel, and in the coming weeks, 
if you're tired of being quarantined in your house, once again, I would just encourage you, maybe invite some friends over to your house to watch the service with you. I think that would be a good idea to kind of start getting back into the swing of things, into the swing of life. Invite some friends over to your house and have them watch the service with you, and you can have a church right there in your home in the next few weeks as we get ready to start meeting together as a church. And here's the thing. I, th I think that's a good idea on many different levels um, because there's a very good chance this fall we have another round of this. And so these are good habits that we're developing right now with our technology. Maybe we can develop good habits right there in our homes, learning to have community if we have another round of this this fall. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I suspect... Uh, given the fact that we have not had the opportunity to build up our immune systems to this, that we have another round of it. I don't know. But we're going to continue our study on Daniel and his friends. Last week, Daniel and his friends had their first test. They were in a test. And the test was to see whether they were going to embrace a spirit of compromise in a pagan environment that was challenging or bumping up against their worldview or their beliefs as Jewish boys being, you know, teenagers. And the test is, are you going to relax your standards? Are you going to compromise your loyalty to God in order to fit in in a pagan environment? Daniel and his friends passed the test. They drew a line in the sand, a clear line in the sand, tactfully and respectfully, and they maintain their loyalty to God. And as a result of that, they make a choice. As a result, God's blessing rests upon them in a new way. And they gain favor with King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who would have been the world superpower at the time. King Nebuchadnezzar would have been the most prestigious world leader at this point in history. And they gain favor in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar, because God blesses them with wisdom and understanding that they did not have before. And so this week we're going into chapter 2, and we're going to just cover the narrative portions of chapter 2. We covered the, uh, the dream, the more prophetic information in our class on Wednesday night. So in chapter 2, if you wanted to dig more into that chapter then I would suggest you watch the Zoom class. It's available online. If you go to our website, fumclamisa.com, on the home page, there's a link to Deeper in Daniel, and that'll take you to all of the Wednesday night classes that we've been having that are just more in-depth over the chapters that we're covering here. So we're going to cover the narrative portions of chapter 2. It's a relatively long chapter, and chapter 2 introduces us to a new story in the life of Daniel and his friends and King Nebuchadnezzar. It starts off telling us that in the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, that's a challenging word to say over and over and over again, in the second year of his reign, the, the text says he is struck with a dream. He, he wakes up, and in the original meaning of, of the Hebrew or the Aramaic, that is describing this story, is that Nebuchadnezzar's spirit is struck. He has a dream, and he's so struck that he knows he's received some kind of a message from the other side, the gods. 
and he's perplexed, and he's wrestling with what this means, and he, he desires greatly to know, as a young ruler over a growing empire with great ambition, he wants to know, is this an omen of doom for me? What does this mean? And he's so perplexed with the message that he knows he's received, and he wants to know the meaning so desperately that he calls all of his wise men together and he challenges them with telling him not only what the dream means, but with what the dream was. And of course, the wise men are like thinking this is a joke or something. They're like, okay, king, we can tell you what the dream is. They had books, they had manuals that they found that were like instruction manuals on how to interpret dreams. And so they were confident if they were just told the dream, they could apply the instruction manual that they had, and they could interpret the king's dream for him. But I suspect the king, for some reason, was lacking confidence in these guys' judgment because he wanted to prove they really could communicate with the gods. And so if you can communicate with the gods... No, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream, and then you tell me what it means. And, of course, they, they tell the king, well, just no, <laughs> no king. No king does that. That's crazy. And the king says, you guys are just stalling. And he gets angry, and he has his, his chief security officer round these guys up, and he tells them he's going to execute every one of them if they can't follow through on this challenge. And amongst those who were to be rounded up and executed were Daniel and his friends, still teenagers. Church, Daniel and his friends go from being in a test to being in a crisis really quick. That is a very quick transition. And God wanted them to pass the test before they were ready to face the crisis. And in the test, they, they learned some things about their relationship with God. If they're courageous and if they're loyal to God, He will come behind them and support them and have their back. It's a very important lesson they learned. And they went from being a test to being in a crisis really quick. And these are important lessons that brought them into this situation. Daniel has gained a little bit of favor with the king in chapter 1. He and his friends showed such great wisdom and judgment. The king said, you guys are smarter than any of my wise men. Daniel and his friends. So here we are in chapter 2, and Daniel and his friends find out about what the king has ordered Daniel is concerned not only for himself, but his friends. And he's probably made other friends with the Babylonian wise men that he's been in association with, teachers and, and mentors. And so he's probably really concerned about a lot of people. And so Daniel and his friends gain an audience with the king. And because Daniel has established himself as a man of integrity, this is another important point. From last week, the king learned about Daniel and his friends. Daniel's mentors learned about Daniel and his friends. They're not willing to compromise 
their principles for safety and comfort and acceptance. They've established themselves as being men of integrity. I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. They draw a line in the sand, and so they've gained the respect of men who probably even disagree with them or don't understand them because they've established themselves as being men of integrity. And because of that, they gain an audience with the king. And when Daniel and his friends ask the king for a little extra time, the king doesn't accuse them of stalling. The king says, okay, I'll give that to you. And so Daniel and his friends, even though they're possessed of great intelligence and charisma and resources, we find out in chapter 1, Daniel and his friends do something critical. And this is, I'd say, the biggest lesson we need to learn in chapter 2. How do you live a life that is loyal and faithful to God in a pagan environment, even in a time of crisis, even in a time of emergency and great crisis? Daniel and his friends do something very important. Even though they're possessed of great intelligence and charisma, and resources. If I were in that situation, I would be plotting and scheming how to get out of that city and get lost and never found again. Are you with me? That's kind of how my mind would be working. My mind might be trying to investigate things and interrogate people, trying to do research. That's where I'm going to go uh, to try and, and figure out how to avoid getting my head chopped off. Daniel and his friends don't do that because all of those strategies are strategies where we place confidence in ourselves. Are you with me? Every one of those strategies are strategies where we place confidence in ourselves, in our ability, in our resources. Daniel and his friends don't do that even though they have great resources and gifts. They understand they're nothing. And so Daniel and his friends do what every believing person should do in a time of crisis, place no confidence in the flesh. But he gathers his friends and he has a prayer meeting. Amen? Daniel and his friends leave Nebuchadnezzar's presence and they go straight to God together. And they go and pray and ask God. He's already shown that he will support them, that he's got their back. In a time of crisis, even in a time of emergency, go to God in prayer. And look at what happens in the story. I'm in chapter, I'm in verse 17 from Daniel chapter 2. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven, concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. 
He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. He can reveal things. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what are asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. And so, church, what's amazing about this story, Daniel and his friends are able to do something for the most powerful man on the planet that could only come from God. And as Daniel and his friends not only tell the king what his dream was, but reveal to him the meeting, the text says that the king was struck again with awe at God, and he fell down on his face and worshipped. It doesn't necessarily say that he was converted to Judaism, but he knew God had moved and he worshipped. The power of God. God glorified himself in the greatest stage in human history at the time, just like he had done in Egypt against Pharaoh so many years before. God glorified himself on the greatest stage uh, that existed at the time, and he made himself famous to the king, to all Babylonians, to everywhere in that empire. I would imagine this story was told over and over and over again. It was probably the biggest news story. It probably dominated the news cycle for years, what happened with the king. And so God has the ability to do this, to take a, a major crisis like what Daniel and his friends were in, and whenever they turn to God and pray and seek his resources and not their own, God can do something amazing and glorify himself and make himself famous in a way that would have never been possible in a normal time. That's why crisis, as, as, challenges, as challenging as they are, many times they're the greatest opportunity for the church to show the glory and the power and the reality of a supernatural God. Let's get down to verse 27. So they're in the presence of the king, and the king's asking Daniel and his friends, all right, are you guys going to be able to tell me what my dream was? And here's what Daniel says in verse 27. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery that he is asked about. In other words, Daniel is saying, king, it doesn't matter how smart, how educated, it doesn't matter what human you put in front of you, what resources they have, they're not capable of doing what you've asked. There is no confidence to be placed in the human flesh. And here's what I like to say at a time like this. I like to quote the great thinker and scholar, Carrie Bradshaw, that we have in American culture. That was a joke. I heard Zach laughing back there. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw, not known for his great intelligence. But he is very successful, isn't he? And here's what Terry Bradshaw said. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in this statement. 
because he's been criticized for his lack of intelligence, I think, over his career and lifetime. And what he has said on the heels of his great and tremendous success, not only as a football player, not only as a broadcaster, but as a public speaker. He's actually, he's actually a pretty good musician as well. He's made an appearance on Gaither videos, if you've ever watched those. So he's a very talented and successful guy. And here's what he said. I think there's a lot of wisdom to it. Intelligence is overrated. It's just like strength, physical strength. You'll see a lot about this in the Bible. Human strength is weak compared to God's power. And human intelligence is nothing compared to God's wisdom and insight. Intelligence is overrated. What is it? <laughs> Things like perseverance, character, humility, understanding the limitations of human strength and human uh, intelligence, understanding their limitations and weakness. That's humility. Humility is knowing that what I have isn't enough. Humility is knowing that because what I have isn't enough, I need to reach for something, some power, some strength that is beyond me in order to get through this situation. That's what humility has, and that's what Daniel and his friends have, is humility. Understanding what we have isn't going to get the job done. We need to forget about those things and reach for a God who is real and who is alive and who's already shown he will move on our behalf. Daniel says in verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel says, this mystery that you've asked about, we aren't able to provide for the answer for, but we know someone who is, and we've had a little conversation with him, and he's delivered for us. And that's the one who deserves the credit and the glory for what we're about to do. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries in a time of crisis. You know, church, that's tr as true today as it ever was. If you're in a time of health crisis and the doctors and nurses don't know what to do, guess what? We know someone who does, don't we? If you're broke, if you're out of money, and you're out of resources. I don't know how I'm going to get any money. Well, guess what? I know a God in heaven who can provide for your needs. If you're looking for answers, if, if you're at a crossroads and you don't know which way to go, and Google doesn't seem to have any advice for you, guess what? I know a God in heaven knows exactly which turn you should take, and he will answer if my people who are called by my name would what? Humble themselves and pray, then I would move and heal their land. There is a God in heaven who has resources that go well beyond our weak, feeble 
human ability, which is nothing. There's a God in heaven who can go beyond and go the extra mile, especially in a time of crisis. Now, church, this is true day in and day out. We have small little tests. We have small little problems that we have to deal with, and God provides for us what we need, usually small little answers. Amen? And we think it's not that big of a deal. We think it's not that significant, but it's just a test to prepare us for the big time of crisis so when the big time of crisis crisis hits, we have a track record with God, we have a track record exercising our faith, we have a track record seeing God provide for us in little ways, so when the big crisis hits, we're prepared, and we're not caught off guard and shaken and don't know what to do. Humility tells us day in and day out, all of my resources are nothing compared to big challenges that we might be facing, and I need to learn to rely on God even now, for everything. Now listen, I get the fact that God doesn't always heal sick people. God doesn't always deliver people from times of crisis. God doesn't always speak. I get that. But guess what? Daniel and his friends in a time of crisis probably got that as well because they had already been defeated and deported by the Babylonians, hadn't they? They'd already lost. But in spite of that, guess what? When Daniel and his friends faced a time of crisis, they didn't just roll over and give up and say, well, God doesn't always do X, Y, Z. They went for it, didn't they? They didn't just roll over and quit because they had lost one time before. And so, church, I get that uh, in the short term, God doesn't always heal every sick person. God doesn't always fix every broken situation. God doesn't always deliver. But, church, we should always expect to engage in the fight here and now. Always. And ultimately, we should have confidence that ultimately God always does deliver because even if we were to lose our lives, we know that's not the end, right? Even if things don't go well here and now, we know there's a reward waiting for us in heaven if we're faithful here and now. And so ultimately, God all, always does come through Ultimately, when we're loyal, when we're courageous, when we're humble, when we reach for divine resources and not our own, God is always glorified. And the, the result is the world is struck and is moved to worship when we do that. And it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing track record that Daniel and his friends are developing. It's an amazing testimony. And as we're going to see the story go on, Daniel and his friends have proven themselves to be men of integrity, have proven themselves to know a God who's capable of doing anything. But even in spite of that, even in spite of that, they're going to face new challenges that don't seem to make any sense. And church, many times that's how life goes. We're faithful. We're faithful, we're faithful, God moves, God does things, and still, 
things don't go our way. And still, people turn on us. But Daniel and his friends are relentless. And in every crisis and in every challenge, they don't reach for themselves. They reach for God. And he comes through for them. Church, these are important lessons to be learning. I think the, the season that we're in right now, it's not the crisis. It's just a test. So I just want to reiterate that to those of you watching at home. We're going through the book of Daniel. A lot of it's prophetic. A lot of it speaks to uh, the, the things God is going to do to bring about the close of human history. I do not think we are in that time now. I think we're just in a test. And the question for us is, are we going to be like Daniel and his friends in a time of test? Are we going to be courageous? Are we going to be loyal to God? Are we going to be humble and understand my resources are not enough? Even if they're significant, they're not enough. And we need to seek a God who's capable of doing things that, quite frankly, even the best of human beings aren't capable of doing. And so, church, let's close with a time of prayer together. And let's just do what Daniel and his friends did. Let's ask God to, to really move on our behalf. And so, Father, we want to pray together as a church, as a community. We want to pray over La Mesa and Dawson County and the surrounding areas. And we pray as we get back to life as normal. Well, whatever that means. We're praying that you would just release your ability to our region. We want to pray for Midland, Odessa, that region as well, that's being hit especially hard in this season with uh, economic difficulties. And so, Father, we pray that you would renew the strength of Midland, Odessa, renew the strength of Dawson County and Lubbock and the surrounding areas, Father, we pray for jobs for those who need them. We pray for resources to, to provide for those who are in a time of testing and maybe even in a time of crisis. We pray to the God of heaven who has resources beyond, beyond anything that human beings have. So, Father, we pray that you would meet us in this time of crisis. We pray for those with health challenges. Father, where doctors and nurses have done everything they know to do, we pray that the supernatural power of God would touch people and restore their strength, restore their confidence in God. Father, we thank you for those who are seeking answers and wisdom in this season. Should I stick with this job? Should I change jobs? Should I continue this business? Those who are seeking answers in this season. The book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask for it. The God of heaven will provide it. Father, we pray for wisdom to be released. Insight from God that knows what to do, that's able to see what to do and how to do it. So, Father, we thank you for the example that you've given us in your word. 
Father, we're grateful for the word of God. We recognize it for what it is. It represents the instructions, the information. It's the, the manual that we have been given to know who you are, how to follow you, how to express our loyalty to you, where to receive courage from, to follow through. We thank you for your word, Father. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that empowers us to encounter the living God. Through your word, we thank you. And so, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We honor your work among us. We're grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things together. Amen.